Come on, come on. Good morning. Man, I tell you what. I love Sundays, man. I love Sundays as we come together and sing praises to an awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Speaking of life change, come on, God. Come on. You know, I challenged us as a church to pray all week. Did you pray? Someone did. Come on. <laughs> Man, we, there's so many reasons why God is awesome. This morning, we, we praise his holy name for, for Dustin's salvation. We praise his holy name for Zach's salvation. And we, and we praise his holy name for Vicky's salvation. Right? We celebrate that. Church, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone anywhere at any time, all right? Don't ever forget that. And I want to share this morning because so often we forget the importance to share the gospel. I want to talk to you real quick about Vicki. See, Vicki accepted Jesus Christ Thursday afternoon as her Lord and Savior. In less than 24 hours, she met him face to face. So don't ever discount the opportunity that God has given you. The opportunity that he's given you, she is with her Lord and Savior today, and we praise God for that. God gives you the opportunity to share the message of hope. You take it because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what God's going to do. The gospel is for everyone at any time, anywhere. Right? Come on. Come on, church. Well, good morning to all of you who are joining us online. Man, we love to have you with us. You missed an amazing worship set this morning as we sang praises of God, but we're thankful that we have this opportunity to you to engage the Word of God this morning. And if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. Man, we love the fact that you are here today. Come on, church, give it up for our guests. Come on. My name is Rich, and I have the privilege to be one of the pastors on staff here at Vertical Church, and we hope that when you walked in today that you were made to feel welcome and wanted, and that you'll join us again as we chase this life to live in and to live with Jesus Christ. I mean, he is our hope. Right, church? So listen, we're going to get into this this morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, verse 15. We're going to be starting there this morning. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you will find on page 829. 829 in the orange Bibles. By the way, if you do not have a Bible, and you wanted a Bible, and you grabbed the one that came in, and you want a Bible, take that. That's our gift to you. That is our gift to you. And if you saw those in there, and you wonder what they were for, and you want a Bible, grab it on your way out. Take a word of God with you home. We desire for you to have the word of God in your hands. 1 Peter 3, starting at verse 15. Today we continue our series titled Prepared. Prepared, defending our faith without losing our minds. Defending our faith without losing our minds. Friends, this is what we would call an apologetics series. Apologetic series. Apologetics is a Christian term that means the discipline of defending religious doctrine through systematic discussion. That's what apologetics means. It is a religious term that means the, the discipline of defending religious doctrine through systematic discussion. And that's what we're doing in this series. It may not be like a normal message series where I started a verse, walk us through, and show what God's doing. I might be bouncing around today and next week as we walk through this because we are defending, we're building a defense for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. 
Because as, as we, as followers of Jesus, as many of his experience talked about last week, we have run into situations where someone has taken a jab at our faith. They took, an, a, took a slam at our faith, and, and we were left not knowing what to do or what to say next. It could have happened in the office with some coworkers. You walk along and suddenly, bang, they said something, walked the other direction, and you're like, oh, I wish I had something to say. It could happen in school, right? By the way, students, can we look up here for a second? I want your attention. Students, you are in a very, very hard place. I want to point this out. You, the school is a pressure cooker of culture that a lot of times is completely against what God wants for your life. So we pray for you often because you can make the biggest impact in your school district by, by just living Jesus out loud and living Jesus how he has called you to live and around all the other students around you. Because what we teach in church is very, very countercultural where you may be pressured in hearing from your friends. So I want to encourage you, by the way, we have this amazing student ministry, Vertical Students, happens at Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. You need to be here. Because Pastor Dre does an amazing job of talking to you, walking you through how much God loves you, but equipping you to live out your faith in school. In fact, he just kicked off a series this last week. I was here. It called uh, this thing called dating. I showed up, not because I'm dating and when I've been married for 22 years, <laughs> right? Just want to make sure they're clear, hon. Um, but it, I just want to hear what's going on. And what, what he is sharing right now, you need to hear. So if you're 6th grade through 12th grade, be here on Wednesday nights and take a, take a listen to what Dre is walking you through. But we pray for you because you have the opportunity to make a difference for the kingdom. Uh, and maybe, maybe the, more than most of us in this room because you have that much connection with people who need Jesus. Or maybe sometimes, church, you get hit with your, with slam with your faith when you're in family gatherings, right? You get together for holidays or family reunions in the summertime, and then those times are used to just to like smack you and walk away. Like, oh, you're the, you're the church person in your family, so everybody makes fun of you, right? You know, they don't want to usually get into a conversation with us. They just, they just want to hit us and walk away. So what do we... What do we do, friends, what do we do and what do we say when, when there's little time or even little or less interest? You, know, you may hear things like, and it comes to this, uh, in these family gatherings, like, you believe in the whole Bible? I mean, come on. The whole Bible? You, you believe this guy named Noah built a boat? Right? You believe that all these animals came in two by two? Right? You believe this guy Jonah, man, he was swallowed by this fish. I mean, you really believe all that? What about this guy Jesus? You believe in this Jesus? Seriously, you think someone can die and raise from the dead? You believe in all that kind of... This is stuff that we could get hit by, by other people. So those Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to be able to defend, to give an answer for the hope that we have. How do we respond when people question our faith? Especially... Especially if they pick up the Bible and they start reading it and they get to the book of Revelation and they start reading through it and to them, it seems like God just burns the entire earth with a smile on his face. I mean, come on. Which reminds me, don't discount today's conversation. Don't tune me out right now. But do not, you do not want to miss next week. You need to be here next week as we walk through this idea. If God is a good God... How do we deal with the evil and the pain and the suffering in the world? 
All right, so next we're going to kick into that next week. God is a good God. How do we deal with the pain and suffering and evil in this world? So let's get back into today. We're not next week. You're going to be here next week, but we're not there now. We're not, I'm not jumping seven days. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is the foundational verse of the series. You can see it on the screen. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Friends, we don't have to defend the Christian worldview. We don't have to have the answers to everybody's questions they have in the Bible. We don't have to defend other Christians. And let me just tell you, that's a huge relief for me. Because defending other Christians, especially the weird ones can be very, very tough. And you all know, you laugh, because you know there's some weird Christians out there. There might be some in here. Um, just, just saying. Our defense, our defense is in our hope. And our hope sits in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And last week I gave you a one-liner, like beginning of the whole thing, that you can use when you are a victim of hit and run regarding your faith. And here it is on the screen. It says, I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. That's it. Rich, what about, no, I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. It, that's it. It's personal. I believe Jesus died for my sin. We talked about you don't want to be sinned like, you're a sinner. No, you don't. My sin. So whatever they throw at you, your response will be, I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Either that will open opportunities for you to have a conversation about your Lord and Savior, or they're just going to walk away, right? Well, today I want to add to this. I want to add to this one line in the statement that we kicked off last week. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. And that continues on. Not only because the Bible says so, it is better than that. Not because, only because the Bible says so, it is better than that. And we're going to specifically talk about today the better than that. The better than that. So what we're going to have a conversation is, is how do we talk about the Bible when the Bible is a part of the problem. When they're like, ah, come on, the Bible for real. How do we talk about the Bible when the Bible is a part of the subject, when we're part of the conversation? See, as Christians, we believe that this book is the Bible, that it's God's word. It is without error. And we believe that it's the word of God given to us. In fact, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. Meaning that every word in this book was put in there by God. There's nothing in this book that God did not want. He put it in there. God breathed. He intended it to be there. But as followers of Jesus, you and I, we have to move beyond some of the normal statements we use when it comes to defending or having a conversation about the word of God. We have to move beyond the statements like, well, because it's in the Bible, I believe it. Or the Bible says so. Why do you believe that? Because the Bible says so. Well, listen, friends. The people you are having a conversation who don't believe in God don't give a rip about this Bible. They don't care about the word in this thing. And listen to me. One of my favorite songs is by Maverick City Music. And it's, the song is titled Man of His Word. 
And there's a phrase in that song that goes on and on and God. It says, that goes on and says, if he said it, I believe it. God's a man of his word. If he says it, I believe it. And I get that. Many of you, some of you, or many of you in this room grew up singing a little dilly, a little dilly, right? It's called the B-I-B-L-E. Weird Christians. You just confirmed it all through the room. Come on. I believe in this word because it tells me about the truth of Jesus. I believe in this word because it tells me about how much Jesus loves me and gives his life for me. But the people who are hitting us and running think this book would be better to start a fire than to read. We need to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. And when the Bible's a part of the conversation, we need to be a little bit better. And if I can even say this, even a little bit smarter with our defense. Friends, the Bible is the most defended book in human history. The most defended book in human history. For centuries upon centuries, people have tried to disprove the Bible, find holes in the Bible, said there's errors in the Bible, there's mistakes, and they want to discredit the Bible. But let me just tell you, for centuries upon centuries, they have failed. From everyday people like you and I in this room, to theologians and scholars, to have more letters after the name than in their name, right? They have tried to disprove this book, and they have failed. That's a whole other series. But I want you to be confident this morning. What you're holding in your hand is the word of God. It is our reliable witness to our defense. Our reliable witness to our defense. So let's get into this morning. Let's point, the first point, you got your, your, writing, your writing things on your program or whatever, you got your apps out, whatever you're doing, write this down. I believe the Old Testament because Jesus did. I believe in the Old Testament because Jesus did. So we're talking about the first half of our Bibles. Our Bibles are broken up in two parts. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. When people start reading the, the Old Testament, one of the hardest things people to grasp is found in the Old Testament. Why? Because the Old Testament's filled with crazy life stories, right? So much death and destruction and sacrifice. Come on, read the book of Leviticus. There's so much more blood happening in there than the American Red Cross. Let me just tell you. But when we read our Bibles, read your Bibles, church. Read your Bibles. And we get in talking about Jesus. We witness Jesus referring back to the Old Testament a ton. He believed in the Old Testament. And this is a great place for us to start, right? We start in the Old Testament, a lot of foundational truths about God. But we don't want to leave people into the Old Testament. We want to lead people to Jesus, right? It's the faster we get people to Jesus, the better. I mean, that's the whole point of our relationship and connecting people is to lead them to Jesus. So when we talk to people about what we believe, we want to take them where they're at and point them to Jesus. If they're in the Old Testament, let's lead them to Jesus. 
In fact, I was just talking to Thad Goings, one of our elders, about this last week. And there's a real-life story that takes place in the book of Acts, a real-life example how this guy, Philip, was talking to Ethiopian eunuch. You can see it on the screen, Acts 8.35. The Ethiopian eunuch was reading the scroll of Isaiah. By the way, it, <clears throat> that's in the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah's in the Old Testament. And Philip walks up and starts having a conversation. And look what it says. Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. And they told him the good news about Jesus. New Testament. He brought him to Jesus. So when people question this idea about the miracles of God, the the magnificent works of God, or again, the constant battles, the death and destruction and sacrifice, we believe... Not because it's in the Bible, we believe because Jesus believed in it. Why right? we bring them to Jesus. Now listen, you guys are a bunch of smart people, I understand this. I'm not going to try, you're like, Rich, come on. You're trying to pull one over on us, right? I mean, this is what you call circular reasoning. You're using the Bible to prove the Bible. That's what you call it as a circular argument. I would say that you are 100% wrong. Why would I say that? It's because of what the Bible is. See, friends, the Bible is not a single book. The Bible is not a single book. It's a book that has a collection of books, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. By the way, parents in the room, your kids right now are over in kids' ministry memorizing the books of the Bible. Why? Because they need to know the Bible. They need to understand how it's foundational for their walk with Jesus. So you may be quizzed today. Mom, Dad, can you tell me the first 10 books of your Bible? Don't let me down. It's us. No, I'm just not against kids. They're learning. It's so important, man. You need to catch up with your kids and talk to them about that. 66 books written by 44 different authors over a span of 1,500 years, written on three different continents with one central theme, to bring glory to God and tell people about Jesus, the Savior. Men who were empowered by the Holy Spirit wrote it down, copied it, and collected it, and put the ancient manuscripts together. And by the way, friends, the Old Testament was established 400 years before Jesus Christ was even born. And Jesus believed in the truth of the Hebrew Bible, which was what they called the Old Testament back then, the Hebrew Bible. He believed in its power. He believed in its authority and its revelation from God. So why don't we? Here's why this is important. There is an ever-growing group of people in the religious circles, let me get that, religious circles, Religious leaders, some seminaries, and pastors who do not believe in the truths of the Old Testament, and that's what they're teaching. What? That's crazy. They think, they, they think these, the Old Testament's a bunch of fictitious stories with a, a moral for us to learn. They don't believe that Moses wrote Genesis. They don't believe that Noah built an ark. They don't believe Jonah was even real. That is crazy. If the religious world, the people that are looking at all, they, they're going to church, and that he's a pastor, or they're a seminary, if they're discrediting God's word, it makes it so much harder for us. That's why we need to be prepared. Friends, 
If I or any other pastor disagrees with Jesus, who do you follow? Thank you. If this church ever disagrees with Jesus, who do you follow? Jesus is always the right answer. I am with Jesus. And Jesus believed in the Old Testament. Look at the screen. Here are some, some scriptures that point to what Jesus believed in the Old Testament. Don't try to write these down. First time I'm telling you to pull out your phones, take a picture. Take a picture, right? right take a picture. We're going to read through these. Jesus believed in a literal Adam and Eve. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Mark 10, 6 through 9. Jesus believed in Noah and the ark and the flood was a historical event. Matthew 24, 37 through 39. Luke chapter 17, 26 through 27. Jesus believed Jonah and the fish story was a historical event. And as he believed it so much as the same as the, his own resurrection. Matthew 12, verses 38 through 41. He believed in Lot. And his wife and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah by fire. Luke chapter 16, verses 28 through 32. Jesus believed that God spoke through Moses in a burning bush. Mark 12, verse 26. And that Moses made a brass serpent that healed the Hebrew believers of the poison of the snake bites. John 3, verse 14. And the last one, Jesus believed in the story where Cain killed Abel. Matthew 23, verse 35. Friends, Jesus believed in the Old Testament. I believe in the Old Testament because Jesus believes in the Old Testament. You get the point? In fact, in fact, Luke chapter 11, 50 through 51, listen to what Jesus says. You're going to love this. I mean, now listen, before you get there, you're going to think that I'm a genius and I shared this with you, but I want to be honest, I stole from somebody else. Okay, if it's going to be great, you're going to be like, oh, Rich stole it. If you think it's lame, I'll tell you who I got it from. You can blame them. Just want to throw it out there. All right? Look at this. Look at this. Luke 11, verse 15 through 51. It says, therefore, this is Jesus speaking. This generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. Verse 51, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation would be held responsible for it all. Now, Jesus was talking about the literal living Abel, who was killed by his brother Cain. Right? And then he was also talking about the prophet Zechariah, which is found in 2 Chronicles verse chapter 24. He was killed. Isn't that sweet? Rich, you're a genius. No? Well, maybe I need to explain a little bit more. Friends, what we know to be the Old Testament is what is known as the Hebrew Bible. And the Hebrew Bible, when it comes to the Old Testament, the books are not organized as our Old Testament is. In fact, the books are organized differently. So when he's talking about the blood of Abel, he's talking about, I have a Hebrew, a Jew, a Hebrew Bible right here, a Jewish Bible. He's talking about the blood of Zechariah, I'm mean, excuse me, the blood of Abel in Genesis. And then he's talking about Zechariah uh, in Second Chronicles. Well, friends, in the Hebrew Bible, the Second Chronicles is at the end of their Old Testament. In our Bible, our Old Testament right now, it's somewhere in the middle of our Old Testament. So when Jesus is talking about the blood of Abel and the blood of Zechariah, he is confirming the authority of the entire Old Testament. 
No one's mind's blown? Here, I'll, I'll put one of those little things. Pop. <laughs> I believe in the Old Testament because Jesus believed in the Old Testament. His statement of, of Abel to Zechariah confirms the authority and the revelation and the power of Scripture and the significance of its truth in our lives. We believe in the Old Testament, not just because it's in the Bible. We believe in the Old Testament because Jesus did. Well, that forces us to look at the other half, right? We have the Old Testament, now we have the New Testament. I believe in the New Testament is reliable because who wrote it and when it was written? That's your second point. I believe in the New Testament is reliable because of who wrote it and when it was written. The fact the New Testament was written by eyewitnesses while they were still alive gives them authenticity and credibility. Let me say that again. The fact that it was written while these, the, the eyewitnesses were still alive gives them authenticity and credibility. If they weren't true eyewitnesses, they would have questioned the events that had taken place of the teachings of Jesus, not just write them down. In fact, one of the biggest arguments about the New Testament is they're trying to bring them, bring people are trying to say is they're written hundreds and hundreds of years after Jesus' death. That's what they say, no, no, no. They were eyewitnesses when they were there, but no one wrote the scripture until hundreds and hundreds of years later. Somebody else completely different. So let's, let's do a second. Let's, let's pick on the four Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about the life of Jesus. But they all talk about it differently in what they share, amount of detail what they share. That's, that's an argument for some. Why do you have four different books to talk about the same dude from all these different things? Why are some of it different? Some stories are different in different ones. Some give more details than others. Why is that? Well, let's think about this for a moment. Let's think about this for a moment in our own lifetime. When we, some, we do something significant that happened in our life and we do it with somebody else. Our point of view may be different than the other person. The amount of details that we share in that story may be different, but the fact that it, did, that it happened isn't debatable, right? When you did something with your friend and it had an event, what you share and what they share may be the same, but there's some differences in what the details you share. Now, let me get into this. Believe it or not, uh, when I was younger, I was a little mischievous. Yeah. Just throwing that out there, just in case you give you a little something about me. I got in a little trouble. Now, students, before I share this, this is not a story of approval to what to do, okay? I'm going to share the story of how, when you do this, how I got in trouble. just want to be really clear about this. Back when I was a teen, I used to sneak out and go to my buddy's house down around the corner in the middle of the night, and we would push his car or his parents' car out of the driveway, and we would just drive around. We actually had to Ithaca, New York, and drive around, have this many time. We'd pick up our girlfriends and all sorts of silly stuff, all right, and we'd drive all over around. It was absolutely awesome. I mean, wait, no, it was bad, bad, bad. Don't ever do it bad, right? But one night, I snuck out. I went down to Paulie's house, who's my friend, and we're out there, and his parents had this jet. It was really good on gas. And so we got in there, and we're pushing, and Paul's on the inside. I'm on the outside, and then we're pushing the car. And next thing I know, we hear, Paulie? It was his dad. He was on the porch. He's like, where are you going? So me, being a really good friend, I jumped in the bushes. 
Whoopsies. Now, that truly happened. But how Paulie and I tell that story may be a little different. I was saving my life while he got in trouble. He was thinking I ditched him. But we still did it. Do you get the idea? Okay. <laughs> Apply that logic to the New Testament. When we look at these, like these four Gospels, do you think the writers of Jesus' life were sitting around scratching their heads, asking, was Jesus a real person? I mean, come on, was he real? I mean, when we were there with him, I mean, did he really feed those 5,000 people? I mean, what do you have, an Easy Bake Oven? I mean, come on. Uh, did, he, <laughs> did he really die? I mean, I, look, I think he died. It looked like real blood rolling down that cross. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. They're not sitting around having these conversations. Why? Because they're eyewitnesses to the truth. They were there, and they wrote them down that Jesus worked seriously. God gave them all this idea, and they wrote it all down, and we have it in Scripture. What they wrote down may be a difference from perspective of where they're seeing, what they thought, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Even if, friends, I'm going to say this. Even if these guys made the whole thing up, what would be their motive? What would be their motive? These guys wrote about the life of Jesus. What would be their motive? They wrote that life, the beginning of Jesus, to the, and about the beginning of the church, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Paul, Peter, to name a few. They had nothing to gain for writing this all down. Nothing to gain. They didn't get rich. They didn't get some fat contract and have some book signings or all around Jerusalem. It didn't work like that. They wrote down what they saw, what they were witnesses to, and they believed in it. And it cost them everything. It put their lives in danger. It put their families and friends in danger. And in fact, if you look at the history of what happened to them, a lot of them, it cost them their lives. The New Testament was written by these men who were eyewitnesses or a direct connection to the people who ministered with Jesus. And that's why the church holds them to be true. Listen, listen. We don't believe that the books of the New Testament are reliable because they're in the Bible. We believe the books in the, are in the New Testament because they are reliable. Catch that? We believe they're in there because they are reliable. They are God's words written by eyewitnesses. We can say something like, we take Jesus seriously because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and James, and Paul took Jesus seriously, and because of what they wrote about in Jesus while they were still alive in the New Testament is reliable. We can take, we take Jesus seriously because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and James. Let me just stop at James for a minute. Let's talk about James. James was Jesus' brother. And he believed. Does anybody have a brother in this room here with them? Okay, let me just think about this. How much would it take to convince you that your brother is the son of God? Yeah, my name is Rich, and I'm the son of God. You're like, no, no, no. I saw you last night. I saw what you're doing, right? 
How much would it take for you to believe that you're brothers in the God? The fact that James was on board, he believed, trends is game over. Game over. In fact, James went on to be one of the, the best pastors of one of the largest churches of Christianity in one of the most hostile places in Jerusalem where they hated Christians. And he believed in Jesus. He believed his brother was the son of God. And he wrote the book of, imagine that. I take Jesus seriously because what Matthew said about him, what Mark says about him, what James said about him, what John says about him, what Paul said about him. I, I, unfortunately, what they did is they took all the things that God told them to write down, they wrote it down, they pulled it all together, and it had been preserved because... The Bible is absolutely amazing gift from God. It's, we have this New Testament, and it was translated into English because many of us can't read Greek. I can't read Greek anymore. It's, we don't read that language, or it's another foreign language, or German. And we have an English, we can read it. Right? We, we can believe. Here's your statement. It's on the screen. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Not only because the Bible says so, it's better than that. I believe because Matthew said so, Mark, Luke, John, James, and Paul said so. And in that phrase, you defended your faith, your hope, and the truth that was revealed to you. Not because the Bible said so. You believe in the Old Testament because Jesus believed in the Old Testament. I believe in the New Testament because eyewitnesses wrote it down. And they all point to Jesus. Everything comes back to Jesus. And that is why I, rich, have chosen to follow him. So much more effective than saying the Bible says so. Listen, I love scripture. And I love the Bible. But this is not the foundation of my faith. The foundation of our faith is a single event in time, and, and that's the foundation of my faith, and that's the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know it to be true because of what of Scripture tells us. Whatever you're reading right now, your Bible in your hand, your Bible apps, would you just hold it up? Everybody, take your Bible, hold it up. Hold it up. This is the Bible. This is God's Word. It is your reliable witness for what you believe to be true. That Jesus changes everything. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the lives that, that are changed that you called three individuals to yourself, Dustin and Zach. But God, you not only called Vicki to yourself, you brought her home to yourself. We praise you for that. And God, I, I pray right here, right now, that there is people in this room who do not know you as Lord and Savior. And if that's you here, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. I want to encourage you to come forward after I say amen and have a conversation with our prayer team. Say, I don't know everything about Jesus, but I mean, I want Jesus in my life. I, could you help me what it, 
Help us know what it means to accept him, surrender my life. Could you walk me through it? They would love to do that with you. I've said it many times. It starts with Jesus. Jesus in the middle ends with Jesus. You need to know him as your Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage you to come forward. And maybe there's other things in your life that you're struggling. Maybe you have people in your life that are hitting you, bombarding your faith, and you're not sure what to say. You're so frustrated. Maybe just come on up after service. We want to pray over you. We want to power you with the hope of Christ to lift you up, to encourage you, to defend your faith with gentleness and respect. So you can say, I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead whatever it may be. God, we celebrate the three. We pray for more. Will you call someone to yourself this week? Help us be a light for you in the world of darkness that needs Jesus Christ. Let us be prepared. Let us be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. God bless your church. Have an amazing week.